Bibles, if you will, and uh, as I said, we're going to take a little diversion. We're going back to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. Psalm 110. A short psalm. A short psalm. Uh, This actually is one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus quoted it when he challenged the Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew 22. He asked for them to explain how David could talk to someone greater than himself if he's if his son was going to be equal with him. And of course they said that's the Messiah and then they understood what Jesus was saying there that this this, this rod of God's anointing is Jesus. Uh, Acts, the second chapter, on the day of Pentecost, Peter quoted, God's going to make the earth his foot, Jesus is going to make the earth his foot still, soul. Acts, the seventh chapter, Stephen quoted it as well. Before he was stoned to death as a martyr, he quoted this passage, Psalm 110, about Jesus making the earth his footstool. Hebrews quotes this passage three times, three times through the tenth chapter. Um, again, giving us the understanding that Jesus is making this earth his dominion and he will hand it to the Father. Now you say, well, how's that going to work? I don't know. If I knew that, I'd be Jesus. But he is doing it. So this morning, I would like us to concentrate on the conquering Christ and his victory inside of us because we're living in very bizarre, stressful, and weird times. These are very, very weird times. When I hear 90 and 95-year-olds talk about how weird this is, and I think, wait a minute, you lived through World War II, you lived through the Depression, you lived through every recession that there ever was, you've lived through every idiot president we've ever had. (laughs) You are so disrespectful. I understand. Uh, Amazing. But yet they say, wow, these times are weird. So if they say that, these are really weird times. Vi is shaking her head, yes. These are weird times. Weird times. So, and and I'm not necessarily talking uh, just about, you know, the hurricane or just about, you know, problems in our own lives and things like that. But I want to talk today about the big picture, the big picture. Because many times it's very difficult for us to see the forest because of the trees. You know, that that expression. It's very difficult in the midst of all the bizarreness to stay focused on the big picture. We tend to focus on the details and we miss the deliverance that God has. And so we need to concentrate on this. And Psalm 110 directs our minds to that very, very well. So we've got to concentrate on big picture and find out, not focus on the little things. It's like the, it's like the, the blonde, the brunette, and the redhead that were lost in the forest. <clears throat> And suddenly they came across some tracks and they said, well, hey, we could follow these tracks and get out of here. And as they were following the tracks, the three of them started to guess on what kind of animal could have left the tracks. They were sort of big. And uh, the blonde said, well, obviously it must have been a horse. I mean, look how big it is. It had to be a horse. And the, and the brunette said, no, 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 no. We're in the forest. It is probably a large deer or an elk or something. And the redhead chimed in. No, 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 you're both wrong. It's obviously a dog. It was a big dog, a wolf or something. They debated until the train came and hit them. That's terrible. That is so mean. <clears throat> they got focused on the wrong thing and missed what was coming down the road is the main point of that. Uh, Hebrews, the second chapter, says, You have put all things in subjection under his feet. All things. Everybody say all. That, to me, says 100%. All things. For in that he put subjection all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. So the writer seems to want to reinforce our understanding of the word all. He said, nothing is not put under him. But we do not yet see, Uh, and here's the catch, we do not yet see all things put under him with these eyes. But the writer goes on to say, but we see Jesus. Oh, yeah. 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The goal of this message is to help us look past the trees, look past all of the stuff that's happening around us, and look to the grand, massive, and beautiful forest that is ahead of us at the end of this age. Now, I'm not going to try and sound like I'm supporting uh, situational ethics or relativism or anything like that, because we can say boy, it's really bad right now. Well, yeah, you could say that, but if you were living in Poland in 1939 and the Nazi tanks were rolling into the, into the city, you would probably think that was bad. It sure is worse than it is now. Uh, we can say, can times get any worse than this? You could have been in Poland in 1939 and said, could it get any worse than this? Yeah, we'll give it a couple years. Give Pearl Harbor a chance to blow up. And then you watch what happens. It got a lot worse. Well, I, I don't know. I, with things going on and all the crazy, I don't even know if, if humanity will survive. Well, that's what they said in 1350 under the Black Death. But guess what? We did survive. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that in 600 AD, the largest plague that ever hit humanity was the, the plague of Justinian in 600 AD. Uh, historians tell us, and I don't know how historians know this, but they know a lot of stuff, I guess. <clears throat> but they said at that time on the earth, there were approximately 400 million human beings living on earth. 400 million. We now have close to 8 billion in, what, 15, 1,600 years, 1,400 years. But about 400 million. The plague of Justinian, they estimate 100 million died. That's a quarter of the population. A quarter. So it was bad, but we survived. We survived, and we're still surviving. So I am not saying, hey, don't worry about anything. Be happy. Don't worry. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't pay attention to things and just blithely go through life and pretend like everything's good. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is this. Don't let the trees of our circumstances block the view of God's forest. That's all. We just celebrated communion. God becoming flesh ushering in an eternal kingdom, coming to us and renovating the entire universe, to me that doesn't sound like defeat, that sounds like victory. In spite of what my foolish little eyes might see, that sounds like God is victorious. And he is. I like what Craig Lonesborough said, we often don't see the majesty of God's design because we're caught up in the mediocrity of our own designs. And that is true. So, we want to talk this morning about God's eternal design, the conquering Christ, and what he's, what he's doing. God has a plan, he has a purpose, and no one will thwart his plan or shortcut his purpose. It will not happen. He will accomplish everything he's going to do. So let's look at Psalm 110, and we're just going to go through the, the entire psalm section by section. I have a, quite a number of points, so I'm just going to move quickly. This could probably be a 10-week sermon by the time we're done, but uh, I promise I won't do that, because we've got to go see both Pittsburgh and Cleveland lose today, so... <laughs> Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord, the Father, now you notice in many of your translations, the, the word the first Lord is all capital letters. So that's Jehovah. So Jehovah God has a conversation with himself. And as I mentioned last week, I love it when God talks to himself. It's just, good things happen. Good things happen. So the Lord... Jehovah says to my Lord. Now David uses this for himself, but we know that it's prophetic. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have, a, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord is sworn, and he will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside, therefore he shall lift up the head as he drinks by that wayside. So we see this whole picture here of the incredible thing that God is doing in Jesus in the earth. That's why it's quoted so many times in the New Testament. The writers wanted us to understand that we are living in victory, not defeat. We're moving ahead, not behind.
behind. We're moving forward. We're not going backward. So let's look at these points very quickly. Number one, Jesus is the rod of strength out of Zion. That's the first thing we need to understand. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 50. I love it when David says this, the mighty one, the God, the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun till the time that it goes down out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come. He shall not keep silent. A fire will devour before him and a tempest will surround him. Psalm 44, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us your deeds in the days of old and the days of old. You drove out many nations from before you with your hand, and then the psalmist said, but us, but us, you planted. (laughs) Isn't it something that right now, we could be in the midst of a world that's falling to pieces and being driven out, but every day we get deeper planted in Jesus. You afflicted people and you cast them out. But this is the key. For you did not gain, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but it was your right arm, it was your right hand, it was the light of your countenance because you favor them. You are king, O God. You will command victories and through you we will push down enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. Listen folks, in due season, at the right time God sent his rod of strength out of Zion and he has never ever rescinded that rod he's never called it back that rod out of Zion is still here so never lose fact of the sight that first and foremost Jesus is the rod of God's strength right now he's commanding victory in the kingdom right now right now he's making this earth his footstool. Right now, the rod of his strength is gaining his possession. It's not going to happen in 10 years or 20 years or 100 years or it didn't happen. Right now, he is the rod of God's strength. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of strength today. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So number one, Jesus is the rod of God's strength. Number two, Jesus rules in the midst of his enemies. Now this is a strange one. Jesus rules in the midst of his enemies. I just quoted Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know it. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. The rod of God's justice did not come to his friends. He didn't come to lounge with his lovers. He didn't surround himself with counselors. He boldly strode into the midst of his enemies and did battle. He came to declare that this earth is God's possession. He came to declare that he was going to tear the world out of Satan's grasp. He came to tell us that he was going to release God's creation in the midst of his enemies. He didn't wait till it was over. He didn't wait till it just started. In the midst of his enemies, he came. Now, <clears throat> we could ask the question then, you know, well, wait a minute. Why in the midst of your enemies? Why, why, <clears throat> why, why, why do that? Why don't you just get rid of your enemies? I mean, he's God. He could just wink and it's all gone. He could just wink. He could, he could, if he wanted to, he could take all of us, wipe us clean, make all new ones of us that are perfect. If he wanted to, could have done that from the very beginning. But he does it in the midst of his enemies. Did you think that there would be no more enemies in the world? (laughs) We're in the midst of our enemies, folks. Don't know if you knew it or not. In the midst of our enemies. Uh, But in the midst of things, he does his work. Uh, I've often said, Lord, you don't ever have to heal me. Just never let me get sick. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Lord, you you never have to supply a need in my life. Just give me a billion dollars right now, and I'll take care of it. But no, he heals in the midst of sickness. He heals, he delivers in the midst of need. He, he supplies in the midst of want. He does it in the middle of the enemies. I don't know why. 
Oh, I'm sh- I, I do know, of course, to test our faith, to make us strong, all those ugly things we don't want to talk about. <laughs> but he does it in the midst of the enemies. I know we have enemies today. We have enemies all around us. We're going to continue to have enemies. But never forget where the rod of God's strength is. It's not above the enemies. It's not around the enemies. It is in the middle of the enemies with you. You're not alone. He's there with you. So he rules in the midst, in the middle of his enemies. Third one, he rules with his volunteers. (laughs) I, I remember, I don't even know if it's a hymn, a volunteer for Jesus, a soldier true and loyal. Is that a hymn or is that an old chorus? I've, I've enlisted for life in the army of the Lord, though the fight may be long and the struggle fierce and hard, right? We're, we're his volunteers. Everybody's just looking at me like, what are you doing? I've never heard that. Who are you? Are you 800 years old? What in the world? <clears throat> but David says, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Listen, folks, in the midst of the foul evils of today, God has a people that are still filled with the beauty of his holiness. We are separate, we are sanctified, we are set apart, we are different, we are of another realm, we are of another world, our citizenship is in heaven, we don't belong down here, we're moving there, all we're doing is plucking people as brands from the burning and bringing them into this wonderful kingdom. He has a people filled filled with the beauty of his holiness. We are born again. We are born not from the womb of night. We are born from the womb of the morning. We are not born from the womb of death. We are born in the womb of life. We've passed from death to life. We are not born in the womb of lies. We're born in the womb of truth. I'm not covered with the dew of death this morning. I'm covered with the dew of life. Hallelujah. I'm covered with the dew of God's youth. And his dew is new every morning. Hallelujah said it before, there is nothing new in the universe. Do you know that? Matter can be neither created nor destroyed. So the dew that we experience in the morning is the same dew that's been here for five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand years. It's just being recycled over and over again. But when it comes to God's, God's kingdom, his loving kindness and his mercy and his dew is new every morning. He doesn't recycle it. He doesn't bring it back. He doesn't take, I'm going to take a little bit from him and give it to him because he needs it more. I'm going to take a little from that sister and give it to that brother. over. No, he makes new loving kindness and dew every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So, you say, well, what does Jesus want from us then in this weird time? It's very simple. He just wants us to say, yes, Jesus, here I am, your volunteer. That's all. I'm volunteering with you, Jesus. You tell me what to do today. You tell me what troop to, run, to leap over. You tell me what wall to leap over. You tell me what to take care of. I'll do it through your name because the rod of God, the rod of your strength is living inside me. And I'll tell you what, that rod, no pun intended, will give your backbone a lot of strength, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're his volunteers. This next one, David says, and this, this one is a, <clears throat> a, little bit, <clears throat> a little bit intense and deep, so we won't get into it too much, but uh, David says that Jesus rules as a king and a priest after the order of Melchizedek. You can go ahead and read about Melchizedek in Hebrews, and Melchizedek was, of course, the, the king of Salem, which was the begin. See, I told you we're not going to talk about it, but I've got to talk about it, okay? Melchizedek was the king of Salem before there was a Jerusalem. And, and during the great battle that occurred back then with Abraham, the king of Salem came and he gave a tithe, uh, and Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Abraham, Melchizedek was not, not a godly man that we know of, per se. All we know is just that. But Abraham gave a tithe to him to represent the tithe that was coming from Abraham's loins all the Levites, all the Israel, and eventually us, tithing to this great Melchizedek who had no beginning, no end, it says in Scripture, and he is a mystery man. Well, we know who our Melchizedek is, right? We know that Melchizedek in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of our heavenly Melchizedek who was going to become a priest in our, uh, for us as our high, belie- our high priest and high intercessor. And the word says, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You're a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So we have right now a priest in the heavenly realm that is interceding for us. Hmm. Isn't that something? You know, you know what's interesting about this? 
Kings are never priests. Kings are kings. Kings bear a royal scepter. Kings do what they want. But our king is both a king and he is our intercessor. That's different. Yeah, I've been fascinated by watching the, the uh, events in, in England and everything. Uh, and sometimes you, I sit there and chuckle and laugh. And then other times I think, wow, that's just amazing that they've been doing this for 600 years or 1,000 years, whatever. And <clears throat> just pretty incredible. But I was watching it. And I noticed uh, when, her, when, when the queen's casket was on, on display there and people come by and they'd bow and they'd curtsy and they'd nod down. And, and, and I said to my wife, I said, it's interesting. Americans don't bow. Do you, notice, you know if you notice that? We don't bow, we don't kneel, we don't curtsy, we don't nod, we don't bob, we don't do nothing. We're Americans, we don't do that. That's why we kicked them out a long time ago. And I've often said, don't make us come back and do it again. We, we, we don't do that. And... What makes it even worse, we're Christian Americans. We don't bow to anything other than Jesus. We have a king that loves us, that died for us, that raised himself from the dead for us, and now is seated in the heavenly and is praying for us. A king and a priest. Go ahead. Go over and see if you can walk up to King Charles III or whatever his name is and say, would you pray for me? Watch what happens after you're tackled and an M16 is in your back or whatever they use. Kings don't pray for people. Kings don't care about people. But our king loves us enough to die for us. And he has placed himself as our heavenly Melchizedek to ever intercede for us until the job is done. That's why I know that this conquering Christ is never going to give up because he's not going to give up for himself. He's not going to stop until it's done. So he rules as king and priest. And here's the other great one then. He also has destroyed principalities and powers. He's executed the kings. He's judged among the nations. He's filled places with dead bodies. He has executed the heads of many countries. He has destroyed principalities and powers. And I want you to note the tense of that, please, for those of you who love English grammar, because I know you all do. <clears throat> the tense of that is the, is the present perfect tense that means it is an action that has taken place at a specific time in the past. And we know what that specific time was. That was the cross of Jesus with an empty tomb. <laughs> it's an event that has occurred and changed everything else. It's not reoccurring. It is present perfect. It has already happened. <clears throat> Mary, we know that wonderful story. She came, she took her alabaster box, she broke it, and she anointed the feet of the rod of God's strength at Bethany. Then he went into the triumphal entry, and, and, and in, uh, I believe it's in Matthew, at, right at the end of the triumphal entry, when people were still standing around, I think it's only mentioned in, in Scripture once, he stopped after this great triumphal entry, and he said, now my soul is troubled. Hmm. And what can I say? Father, save me from this hour? <clears throat> no, I can't say that. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. So, Father, glorify your name. Three times in the New Testament, a voice came from heaven. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that they heard thunder. Others said, no, an angel just spoke. And Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast down. Now. And he hadn't even gone to the cross yet. Now. Not in 500 years. Not after World War I, not in 2040 or 2090. Now the judgment of this world is complete and the ruler of this world will be cast out. 
In Luke 10th chapter, they came back excited about the demons being subject, and Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That means fast and hard, (laughs) right to the ground. I saw him fall. John the 16th chapter, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come in judgment, because the prince of this world has been, present perfect, it happened once, has been cast down. Colossians, the second chapter, having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken them out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Hebrews, the second chapter, for since the children of flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by death he might destroy. Everybody say destroy. Him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free all those who through a lifetime were subject to the fear of death. The rod of God's power has destroyed the enemy. The rod of God's power has defeated the enemy. The ruler of this world has been judged. He has been cast out. The ruler has been condemned. He has fallen. He has been disarmed. He has been destroyed. He has been stripped of his power. He has been triumphed over in the name of Jesus. It's not going to happen. It happened right now. Now, you can choose to look at a defeated Jesus... You can choose to look at a defeated life. But folks, I'm telling you right now, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. I'm done caring about what's happening in Babylon. I'm done caring about it all. God has a plan and a purpose. He's working it out. And all I know is that this conquering Jesus is the rod of God's strength. And he will, he will, he will make this earth his footstool. And when he's done, he's going to say, here it is, Father. And the Father's going to say, well done. Let's do this. Hallelujah. And there's one last point. Somewhat of an obscure kind of thing. I believe that the victory of Jesus is secure. He says in verse 7, he shall drink by the brook of the wayside, therefore he shall lift up his head. It's very obscure. Not really sure what that necessarily means. But I'll give you what I think it means. I believe, uh, remember Gideon's army? And the last test that they had was down at the brook. And, and, and there were those that lapped. They went, they went down like a dog, and they put their face in the water. <clears throat> and the other ones held their heads up and brought the water to their mouth. And God said, leave the lapping dogs at home. <laughs> Take the 300 that didn't do that. I believe that Jesus is so secure in his victory that he goes down by the wayside and he just lifts his head up and drinks as much as he wants. He goes down there to refresh himself. His head is up. It's not down. His eyes are up. They're not down. He's drinking freely. He's not stingy with it. He's down by the brook, freely drinking and freely giving of this heavenly water. And he's not afraid of anything because he knows, he knows, he knows the victory has already been won. It's over. He doesn't have to hide and cower. He doesn't have to wonder. No, no, it's done. It's complete. It's over. (laughs) It's over. It's over. So the victory of this rod of God's strength is secure. So now you say, okay, so where's that, where's that leave us? What, 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 what are we to do with us right now? Because we know that's coming down the road. Well, uh, let's, let's bring the broad down to the narrow for us. When it looks like the world is heading to hell in a handbasket, you don't have to jump in the handbasket. You don't have to get in. When they're playing games, you don't have to play the games. When it seems like all is lost, you don't have to lose. You're still a winner. Okay, let's do, let me do it this way. All right, let, let's do it this way. Uh, I have two sisters-in-law in Florida. My wife's two sisters live in in Sarasota and Bradenton. Do you believe, they both know the Lord, do you believe their houses were not touched? Vi Proverbs, your house was not touched. Hickman's, your house was not touched. Now you're, you're, now you're looking at me and say, oh, wait a minute, Pastor, come on now. 
You're not going to say that we're never going to experience difficulty or loss. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. We will. There are going to be times in our lives where we will, the tornado will hit, the hurricane will hit. But what I'm saying is this. When it looks like the hurricane's coming, you don't have to just give up and throw up your hands and run away and say, oh, well, that's all, it's all over. When the doctor says cancer, you don't have to say, well, better get my will out. I guess it's all over. When the economy goes totally south, you don't have to get in the car and drive south with it. We don't have to succumb to what's happening in the world. We have a conquering Christ. <clears throat> we have the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. We have the one who's in control of everyone's destiny. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wring my hands and say, oh my goodness, do you know what's happening to the economy out there? I don't have to cast myself down with them. I don't, I don't have, to, have, to, have to worry about, oh, there's a recession coming, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and my, <clears throat> my income of this, and my pensions out and, and all that kind of stuff. We don't do that, folks. So, well, you know, gas prices, what if they go back up to $5 again after the election? Because we know they're coming down because there's an election coming. We know that. <clears throat> but, but, boy, I am so mean this morning. <clears throat> what if it goes back to $5? Here's what you do. You take the gas nozzle, you stick it in your tank, and you just, you worship Jesus the whole time you fill it up. You fill up your car, and you go on, and you know what? Everything will be fine, because my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. The rod of God's strength. Amen. Not the rod of God's weakness. Not the rod of a temporary strength. It's the rod of God's strength coming out of Zion. Oh, I just love that picture. I, I believe, I don't know what it's called. Uh, it's a, it's a, this terrible thing, terrible analogy to make, uh, so I probably should shut up. <laughs> <coughs> There's a weapon that we have that comes out of satellites or something, and it's a huge gym. What is it? Yes, it's like a, a phone, uh, telephone pole of made of some kind of high strength metal, and it actually comes like a spear out of out of the upper atmosphere, and it comes right down, and it just blows things to smithereens. Whenever I think of the rod of God's strength, that's what I think about. I think Jesus coming like that telephone pole out of titanium, coming out of heaven and going right down into the pit of hell and just blowing it to bits every time. And I believe in the wonderful name of Jesus, every bit of cancer is going to get blown to bits. Every bit of economic problem is going to get blown to bits. Every depression is going to get blown to bits. Every heartache is going to get blown to bits. Every doubt of worry or worry is going to be blown to bits. All blown to bits. Because we have a rod of strength coming out of Zion. Let's bow our heads. Father, if there's one thing I know for sure today, it's that there is a rod of strength that is coming out of Zion. And this rod of strength is going to make this earth his footstool. He is going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. It will happen. Thousands and millions can be naysayers. They can laugh at us. They can mock us. They can do whatever they want to us. They can try to control us. They can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Because this earth is becoming your footstool. And as Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care, Father, if this lie covers the entire earth. I don't care if we're the last group of people that says, no, there's just a male and female. I don't care. Because truth is truth. They're all lying. And the rod of your strength will eventually bring about this kingdom. I can't do it myself. We can't do it ourselves. But you can do it. And all that you ask of us is to keep our eyes on that wonderful name of Jesus. Keep proclaiming it. Keep calling it. Keep shouting it. Speak the name of Jesus wherever we go. And you'll bring about your victory, the conquering Christ. We believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Everybody stand together. I, I, love, I love that song that they sang at the end. Take the name of Jesus into the streets. Shout it from the mountaintops. Shout it in your neighborhoods. Call that name out wherever you go because that is the rod of God's strength in these last days. Certainly not our names. It's 
his name. How many are glad we serve a conquering Christ this morning? Hallelujah. Praise his name. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. You're dismissed into his presence. Go forth praising him. Hallelujah. Yo 
recognize that you're moving among the earth, Lord. And we say we're with you. We're going to embrace what you're doing, Lord. Don't leave us behind. with oil and heat. 